Hi, everybody. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. It is almost the end of August 29th, 2022, third day of Elul, 5782, the month before the High Holy Days. We're supposed to start taking stock, good, bad, regrettable, not regrettable, want to do over, want to continue, you know, that month. This is going to be a pretty short podcast because it's just couple of thoughts that I've had rolling around in my head for a while that I wanted to share with you guys. And I would really appreciate actually some feedback. If anybody thinks I'm nuts, that's also fine. Has anything to add? I would really, really like that. You can write to me, eve.harow at gmail.com or the land of Israel address, or it's, it's not hard to find me. This was kind of kicked off what's going on in my head by an article that I read. I've actually read a few articles reviewing Hannah Arendt's The Banality of Evil. For those of you who are not familiar with it, a book that she wrote uh, after the Eichmann trial in 1961, uh, essentially uh, kind of, and I'm dumbing this down here, of course, like, you know, he just looked like a guy. I mean, here's this, right, this terrible Nazi responsible for killing so many people. And A, she, she doesn't let him off the hook, but she kind of, believes his version, which is what, he, you know, during the trial, he ends up, by the way, uh, being found guilty and, and hung. He's the only person that Israel has ever put to death. But she kind of, I wouldn't say lets him off the hook, but, you know, he was just kind of a cog in the great Nazi wheel. So a few weeks ago, uh, an interview that he gave uh, was released. I don't know. I don't remember exactly why nobody released it. It's been sitting on it for over 60 years, where he didn't give the version that he gave at the trial, we'll put it that way, where he spoke about how he was actually proud of what he did and and how, you know, he killed all these Jews. And so the whole issue got dredged up again. And a lot of people writing essays that Hannah Ren was wrong, that there is was no, at least not when it concerns Eichmann, that the the lie of the banality of evil, um, not only given the fact that it turns out that he was lying and, and that he didn't really present it the way it was. He did, definitely had choices and he killed Jews with a lot of enthusiasm. But more than that, um, that evil isn't banal, right? Just because somebody, it's something that I see, like when I walk around, when I guide Yad Vashem and I point out the pictures of the Nazis that are there, they're there in black boxes and in the corners of the room a big issue on what you do with the perpetrators of crimes, not just in Yad Vashem, but in general. Um, but they look like people, they're just like, like regular people, right? It'd be easy if they would look like Satan or there's horns coming out of their head or whatever it is. It's not like that. So um, having this kind of in my mind, uh, I've been guiding again. And the last few days, uh, I sound tired because I am tired. Today was exhausting and very, very hot. Took a, a bus of about 25 people for one Israel fund up to Mount Grizim, Harbracha, where we really did a deep dive into the Samaritans, visited the site, the actual village and where they had a temple. And the archaeology shows that, even though the text didn't make it clear, not Josephus and not the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah, because that's his time period in the Persian period, 5th century. But anyway, the archaeology has shown that there was some kind of temple there, maybe even built along the lines of our first temple in Jerusalem. And the whole story is just really fascinating about the Samaritans. Maybe one day I'll just do a podcast on that. But we did, we were up there and we were learning about them. They give us like a 
human glimpse into First Temple Judaism. Of course, they consider themselves the true Jews. Uh, and then of course, they have battles with the Byzantines, and eventually they're almost completely wiped out. But there's some who are up there. It's a fascinating sight. We also then went to the Jewish town of Har Bracha that's up there. Bracha means blessing, Har Bracha. So it's the Mount of Blessings. It's where the blessings are given by uh, the, the, Levi, the Levites when we first come into the land with Joshua. And we went to this really great winery that's there, the Harbracha Winery, had an amazing lunch. And then we went to Kochava Shachar and visited a man named Shlomo Keshet, who I'm about to have a virtual video come out with him. It was supposed to already be out, a little interview that I did with him about a month ago. Uh, he started a factory for um, young adults with special needs, including his own son who has Down syndrome. And they make soaps and cosmetics, and it's really beautiful. Uh, but it's not just what he makes. It's it's the goal behind it is to give these kids a salary to make them feel good. They get up in the morning, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, last week I did another one as a fun trip. And this time it was in Gush Etzion. I plan these trips. So I kind of know where I'm going with them. And thank God it works out for the most part. So we went to Herodian, great site. And then we went to three different wineries in Gush Etzion, one in Nukdim, Jacques Sayag, a new one called Sela in Ibe Anachal. And for those who are listening who are familiar with the Ara Goat Farms, right next to the Ara Goat Farms. And then an amazing one in, in Stabaaz, this Webner State Winery, where we had food, because he's also a culinary master, and unbelievable wines. And it was really a very special experience. And I'm and, and in between all the wineries, we went to Pnei Kedem and met with Michael Lurie, who they're growing lavender now and making essential oils and like a whole beautiful little business and, and you know, re and liberating land and making sure that it's not being taken over by the Arabs. And we also went to Gabriel's Ranch, which is just outside of Pnei Kedem, where he never sleeps and they have their ranch and they pushed back some of the Hamas tribes, no less, that are in the area who are trying to build and trying to control the area. And that's something, I've spoken about that before, the importance of these ranches now, in essence, being able to watch over and take over land just by grazing, don't need a building permit, not planting anything, because God forbid the civil administration actually give Jews, you know, too many building permits or allowing us to plant anything. Sorry, it's just been a very upsetting day of seeing the tremendous building going on from the Palestinian Authority in their areas and also in our areas. Um, the total lack of control of their drivers on our roads, which has led to just so many accidents, the crazy drivers, no police presence whatsoever. And just this, I, you know, just being in Judea and Samaria, like a lot of the roads are just because of the lack of sovereignty, it's just a mess. Okay, so, and of course, Politics is always on everybody's mind. Elections coming up here, elections coming up in the States. And almost very few people that I know running enthusiastically to the voting booth. Many people not even sure who they're going to vote for at this point. And just like not very inspirational leadership, not like on any level. Then I'm going to these places that I described to you and I'm listening to the people talk, the reason they planted their vineyard, what they're doing with their sheep, like why they decided to plant lavender and get into essential oils, why they started this like little factory for kids with special needs. And this is all jumbled up in my brain with what's going on with the banality of evil. And I'm sitting there looking at these people and, and wondering, is there such a thing? And this is really where I want to ask you guys to chime in here, if you can help me out. Is there such a thing as the banality of greatness? So I'm looking at these people. Most of them, they just look like, 
your brother-in-law or anybody that you know and would like, you know, wearing jeans, usually not all that clean because they're out in the field somewhere, and a T-shirt or flannel shirt. And, you know, their husbands, their wives, their family people, their good friends. But so many of them that I meet, especially in Yudavishamran, but in Israel in general, are amazingly great people who, if there's a crisis, will run towards the crisis, who spend their time helping others very often in very quiet ways. They're not people who are ever going to be in the headlines unless, God forbid, some kind of tragedy happens. But on their day-to-day, they're just doing what they do. And they look like everybody else. And I look at them and I think, but they're great. They are great people. When you think about humanity and you think about what I think Hashem wants from people on this earth, to think beyond themselves and beyond what they're going to do with the money that they have or whatever, but how to help other people, how how to make communities better, humanity greater, not necessarily to get paid back for it, but just because that makes a better world. If you're kind and if you're helpful and if you're just a good person, that's greatness. Okay, and maybe that sounds sad that that's greatness, but given who does take up the headlines and a lot of the people who do make the noise, just being a good person and beyond is great. And especially in Judea and Samaria, when the odds are so difficult to get anything done here, anything done. And I'm not just talking about vis-a-vis like staying safe vis-a-vis the terrorists and the rock throwing and all that stuff that's happening, but vis-a-vis our own government and the civil administration that runs Judea and Samaria and makes our lives miserable almost at every single turn. And, you know, hiding, having to hide from the Israeli authorities when you're planting something from the Israeli authorities and from the Israeli army and from the army being diverted from doing the things that they should be doing in order to take down Jewish houses or whatever it is. And then I look again at these people and I think they look like ordinary people, but there has to be something that's commensurate, if you will, with that idea of the banality of evil, the opposite, the flip side of the coin, the banality of greatness, people that they're not necessarily particularly charismatic or they're not like their eyes are shining. You know, there's some people you walk into a room and you like gravitate towards that person because there's just something in Hebrew, they say Moshech, like something that just pulls you to that person. There's something about them, an aura, an excitement. You want to be near them. There's something going on. And a lot of these people, they're not like that. Okay. They're not necessarily who'd want to hang out with at a party or whatever, but you, you see what they're doing and what gets them up in the morning and the deep faith for many of them that's behind all that and the caring about the future, the understanding about the past, the realizing that what we do in the present is going to affect the future and how important it is And these times are not easy times and the world seems to be spinning out of control, that doing the little things that are in your control, you don't have to own like a gazillion dollar company and you don't have to be like the head of the army or I don't know, have some, you know, position of power just doing what you can do, what is in your means to do, and a little bit beyond, that makes them great. And I just, I've spent really like the last few days in a variety of situations, just seeing people. And some of these people, it's not like I just met them, but it just like clicked with me that I have been blessed by being surrounded by great people who don't know they're great, who wouldn't think they're great, who might even argue with you about it. And there's something, but is it banal? 
Is it is it banality because it's just there? What does banal even mean? Seems like a derogative kind of term, like it's kind of like nothing, it's not really important. Can you even say the banality of greatness? Is that does that not make sense? Is that like an oxymoron? I don't know. But I do believe, and this I've said to people, that Hashem is giving the little people a chance to shine now because the so-called big people are falling flat on so many other levels that they say you get the leadership that you deserve, but oh, please, like, is there anyone not, like people not seeing a big picture? And I know you have to compromise when you go into politics. That's why I myself couldn't stay in politics because at some point you move your red line so far that you forget who you are. Okay. And the, the compromise just becomes the, you know, the goal. And it's not the goal, but like you lose who you are. Then again, if you're too extreme and you stick with things, then you might not get anything done because you also do have to compromise. It's a muddy world. Don't wish it on anybody. Okay. So I'm not, it's not like I'm putting down the politicians in the sense that they should do better, but maybe they should do better. Or maybe it's the whole system everywhere. The, the flaws of democracy is that you actually have to listen to other people. And even if you have great ideas, you can't do them alone. And if you can't convince other people of them because they're all woke or I don't know what, like so open-minded supposedly that their brains fell out, as we say, right, then you're not going to get it done. And it's going to end up lauding and pushing forward people who are uh, mediocre at best and not somebody you would want to do anything with at worst. All right. And that's kind of what we're looking at in our free world. Forget the not free world. They have some amazing leaders, but they're not people that you want to live under because you can't open your mouth. Although it's getting close to not being able to open your mouth in some of the so-called free societies as well. Anyhow, getting back to the point, because I'm tired and I have to go to sleep. It's been like a super long day and just brutally hot here in the land. And so um, it's just like, you know, so totally draining. Is there such a thing? Can there be such a thing as the banality of greatness? If you have a thought on that, I would love to hear from you. I looked it up, of course, looking it up online. And the only thing that came up that I saw was some ad for an insurance company. So that's not where I'm going with this. But I'm talking about this idea that I mentioned it to somebody and he said, yeah, it was in the movie, The Lord of the Rings. When Gandalf is asked, why Frodo? I don't know if any of you have seen Lord of the Rings. Okay, why are you picking this like nebbishy kind of a guy? If you don't understand nebbishy, I can't explain it. Like nothing great going on there to essentially save the world. And the answer was because that's the greatness lies in the everyday and in little people. Um, So maybe this is our time. Maybe we've been presented with an opportunity because when we say someone needs to take care of it and there ain't no somebody then the buck stops here and it's up to you to do it. And it gives you an opportunity to be great or to be greater than you thought you could be, to find gifts that God gave you that you're able to expand on as long as you're hanging out with the right people. So I don't know. So answer me, folks. Tell me, is there something here? Am I missing something? How does this fit in with our worldview and you know, with, with what's happening and with like the search that a lot of us good people are having to, when we see things really spiraling out of control, like where it looks like the satire page is actually the front page of the newspaper, like this can't possibly be real. And knowing that it's not heading in in any good direction, okay, things are not going to get better unless somebody grabs that steering wheel back. 
But in lieu of having some kind of civil war, or violence, or all these horrible things that the world has and good and good countries have spiraled into before, not where we want to go, and not have that kind of violence, how do we get it back? And how many people do we need to have do this? And all of these things, the banality of greatness. Help me here, folks. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Tabitha. It's Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. Wherever you are, I hope you're staying cool and, uh, and doing some thinking because uh, we've got to do some thinking. I and mean, that's one of the things that's super missing here is some critical thinking. And there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way of coming back from this abyss and of somehow getting things under control. Is this our time? I don't know. Take care, everybody. Goodbye for now. Let's try to use our time wisely to promote the truth about what is going on here, the reality here in the Jewish state of Israel. Join Josh Haston every Monday for Israel Uncensored. If we didn't have Iron Dome, more Jews in Israel would be hurt or injured or, God forbid, killed. Israel would have to respond more forcefully to attacks, and that would result in more lives being lost. Gaza, the Temple Mount, anti-Semitism, COVID, the Knesset, and more. Another example of Israel contributing to the world. It's not hard to find these stories. Each and every week, an Israeli company coming out with the latest technologies to improve quality of life for people all over the world in so many different fields. That's Israel Uncensored with Josh Haston on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.